Welcome to Parlay Me Power Players. This is a podcast that explores the latest entrepreneurs, startups, founders, business leaders, and even enterprises that are changing the game. We call them the disruptors. You might see them as your mentors or maybe even your colleagues, but we are so excited to bring to you each week someone we find either fascinating, progressive, or someone that's really making changes in all kinds of industries. We are agnostic in what we cover, so we cover everything from mobility to AI to food and produce, you name it, we cover it. But most importantly, we want to showcase to you entrepreneurs that are really making a difference and making the world a better place. We're super excited to be here for our second episode of Parlay Me Power Players. And today I'm very humbled to have with us an incredible guest. We have Terence Lester. Now, Terence and his wife, Cecilia Lester, founded what's called Love Beyond Walls in 2013. It's an Atlanta-based nonprofit organization and a focus on providing dignity to the homeless and poor by providing a voice, visibility, shelter, community, and grooming and support services, you name it, they pretty much do it, <laughs> all to achieve self-sufficiency. So Terence is with us today and we're going to have a good chat to Terence. It's quite a personal one for him too because he has actually been homeless himself. has completed countless projects to shed light on homelessness and raise awareness for this cause. So, um, I mean, there's a lot that Terence has done over the years, obviously, been, you know, um, championing this uh, love beyond walls since 2013. In 2016, he did what was called Map 16. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but he walked literally from Atlanta, Georgia to Washington um, over 600 miles and endured what it is to possibly be homeless and created an amazing documentary um, so we'll talk about that a little bit later. But here today, we're here to talk to Terence about his latest project, which is actually providing services for the homeless amongst this terrible coronavirus outbreak. So Love Beyond Walls is placing portable sinks with soap and water around the city of Atlanta, where the homeless congregate. So Terence, thank you. Welcome to the Parlay Me Power Players podcast. It's brilliant to have you here today. Yeah, thank you for uh, that warm introduction, and it's a, it's a pleasure to be on this podcast with you. Yeah, no, it's really, really important. I'm sure there's plenty uh, you can be doing at the moment, so we really appreciate your time. So first and foremost, Terence, you know firsthand um, the struggles of being homeless. Um, how do you think, I mean, we're in a whole new world at the moment, aren't we? Um, but how do you think this coronavirus pandemic uh, will affect society's most vulnerable i.e. the homeless communities? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think uh, when we talk about what the world is talking about on the media uh, in terms of social distancing, um, I believe we need to uh, kind of rephrase that, uh, that, uh, that statement. I think what we're doing right now is, is physical distancing ourselves from each other. Um, but we're very much encouraging each other to stay social. Um, as we think about social distancing, 
there's a ho- homeless population that have uh, has been wrestling with social distancing by default long before uh, the coronavirus. And uh, my life's work and my past experiences um, of of experiencing homelessness myself uh, just kind of would not allow me uh, to allow the population of uh, people experiencing homelessness to be an after- afterthought. I mean, during this critical moment, uh, people that are living on the streets right now are more prone to catch and contract the coronavirus uh, than any other vulnerable community. One, namely, is because uh, there's a, a lack or a shortage of water and soap resources uh, when you're living on the streets. And two, uh, most times people are resting or finding respite in places um, that literally has a has a lot of germs and it's hard to uh, keep those places sanitized and sanitary. And so uh, I think we need to, to really focus in on this uh, population of people that have been invisible. Absolutely. And definitely organizations like yourself are doing exactly that. So tell us a little bit about um, your solution with comp- for combating, well, helping combat the, the virus, the spread of it. You've installed or what you're doing is taking around portable wash basins. Is that correct? Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about how you do that, you know, physically, um, where you're kind of focusing on, and I guess what the response has been in um, the community in Atlanta to that? It's a great question. Um, so I came up with the, the campaign. Uh, it's called Love Sinks In. Uh, it's kind of a, a play on words. Yeah. <laughs> in response to uh, the coronavirus, you know, as the rest of the world was talking about sanitizing and washing their hands to protect themselves against uh, contracting uh, COVID-19, I thought, man, there's an entire community of people experiencing homelessness that couldn't do any of those things. Uh, think about it. Uh, they're shutting down businesses and public spaces like libraries uh, where many people experiencing homelessness oftentimes use those spaces to go in and use public restrooms or wash their hands or even uh, use technology in libraries. And as we were fighting or seeing fights about toilet paper and complaints about having to stay home, uh, you know, in the United States, I'm thinking, man, there's over a half a million people experiencing homelessness, maybe even more uh, that is uncounted uh, based upon the statistical data uh, that would give anything uh, to be safe and warm and have a place to lay their heads. And so um, we had a couple clients uh, or friends, we call them friends, uh, they're community members, uh, come to our center in Atlanta, Georgia. And we kept he- hearing um, uh, these these sorrow, uh, you know, responses anytime we greet uh, our, our, our community. Uh, we normally are with joy and we exchange um, you know, uh, just encouragement. And, but this particular day, uh, we had a couple guys, they were sad and we asked them why. And they said they were afraid, uh, of c- contracting COVID-19. And when we asked them why, uh, they said, man, because we're out here on the streets and they, t- they keep telling us to wash our hands, but we can't wash our hands with what water was the question. Right. And that, that struck a chord in me. Hmm. I started to go, if these guys are thinking that, how many more people um, who are living on the streets are having the same thought? And so I started to do research um, 
started uh, to look up uh, portable uh, hand washing stations and saw that it was a feature uh, for RVs, right? Uh, when people take RVs to go camping and uh, our team started to reimagine how uh, those portable uh, stations could be be used to transport water and soap to individuals who are living on the streets. And so um, we we did just that. I had a friend named Lecrae uh, reach out. He's an artist here. Oh, yeah. Just, just someone we might know. I like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a, a really cool brother. And um, he, he was like asking me, he was like, man, uh, what can we do? And around that same time, we had already started to like strategically place this plan in, in place. And he kind of rose to the occasion and uh, we combined our efforts to uh, create Atlanta's first ever, ever, first ever. Uh, he rose to the occasion and we combined our efforts to create Atlanta's first ever homeless sink installation crisis campaign. And so uh, he, he, uh, he donated the first 15 uh, since then we've raised a little over uh, 20 more. Uh, so we're, 30 plus uh, hand washing stations. And so what we've been doing is uh, taking a few stations out at a time in high traffic areas. Like yesterday, it rained here in Atlanta and there wasn't that many people out. And so uh, many people were staying underneath bridges just to protect themselves from the elements. And we, that's what we, that's where we went. We went under bridges. And people, uh, sure enough, would line up and they wash their hands. And um, we also pick up or rotate the the stations, and we sanitize them to keep them them clean. And we uh, reload them with fresh water uh, every three days. And so uh, we're we're planning to continue this process. And the goal is to, to continue to uh, advance this campaign and to install as many portable washing. Uh, stations as possible in the next two to three months because reports are uh, is kind of letting us know that this isn't slowing down absolutely yeah and i think i heard today that you know it's going to be hit its peak in kind of two weeks so you know um that brings me to my next question you beat me to it um lecrae for those that don't know maybe they've been under a rock um but he's a he's he's a grammy award-winning uh, hip-hop artist if you will um and he has you know shy of 1.6 million instagram followers tell me how did you know was it a friendship you had uh with lecrae or how did that partnership come about because i can imagine that's been instrumental to you know a getting um awareness behind what you guys are doing um and momentum right i met lecrae years ago uh, we were we have a, we had a mutual friend and uh, we were at a at a uh, conference and I had just completed uh, Map 16, which you mentioned earlier. And uh, around that t- around the end of the campaign, our organization had put together a documentary from that campaign, and we had shown a trailer and uh, it kind of piqued his interest. And so uh, we we got a chance. He gave us an opportunity to screen the film to him privately, uh, with other people, uh, before we made it public. And we kind of been working there together ever since then. And he's, uh, been involved. His, his kids have come to our organization and have served with their school, uh, their school, uh, just so happened, 
to come and, and, and serve with our organization and his kids so happen to go there. So like there's been a, a lot of uh, cool uh, connections like that. And so uh, we kind of teamed up and we just kind of been talking over the years um, and, and we have similar interests. Uh, he's all about res- restoration. Uh, that's kind of like his his new album, uh, his his project and his focus. And uh, that's what our organization stands for is, at the same time is about not only restoring people's lives, but also affirming their dignity, you know, um, because everybody has worth and value. Yeah. It's just uh, we got to affirm it. Absolutely. Oh, fantastic. Well, it sounds like it's been a, it's a long term partnership. So that's brilliant. I wanted to just uh, talk briefly about yourself and your journey um and you know your time being homeless without going to too much um is it my understanding you with the permission of your wife you um were homeless for some time um and endured you know living in shelters and sleeping under bridges and you know begging for money and if so how long did you did you actually do this for and how much did it equip you with the knowledge and the and the resources to understand how best to serve the homeless population? Yeah, that's a great question. It was around um, the middle of 2013. Uh, It was the summertime. I had been building a relationship with this guy named Kurt. um, And Kurt was living uh, behind an abandoned building in the heart of the city of Atlanta. Uh, I mean, with trash and I remember seeing like old tires and, you know, just waste and garbage. And this was his, this was his home. And for three months straight, I would visit Kurt and kind of build a relationship with him. And one day we were having breakfast and I, I just got the courage to ask him. I said, Hey man, um, why don't you allow me to, uh, you know, connect you with a a shelter or something like that. And uh, he responded, he said, there's a shelter that's right down the street. About four or five hundred guys sleep there, uh, sometimes in chairs, and it's only one restroom. And the smell is so thick you could taste it. And he said, if I if I was to sleep there, I probably wouldn't get any sleep because I'm I'm going to stay up protecting everything I own and possessing this bag. And he pointed to his bag. He says, I'm more comfortable out here behind this building. He says, I bet you if you go and live there. I bet you would be out here with me uh, by the middle of the night. And I'll never forget leaving that conversation, um, driving home. And it was just, you know, kind of tearing me up inside. Um, I got home. I'm eating uh, dinner with my wife and my kids. And uh, my wife looks at me and she says, uh, you know, what's wrong? She could tell something was in my disposition. And I say, uh, I think I'm supposed to do something uh to like advocate on behalf of uh, people experiencing homelessness. And, and she asked me what it was. I said, I think I'm supposed to like live as a homeless person. And she says, what? And I said, yeah, I want to launch a campaign to educate the public. And uh, long story short, uh, with the permission of her and my, my kids, uh, they allowed me to do it. I remember them dropping me off underneath Tent City in the heart of the city underneath this bridge it was about 30 tents out there in the middle uh of december close to christmas and it was supposed to be down to uh, 19 degrees or so that night and uh i remember looking at her before i shut the door and she says you sure and i was like yeah 
and uh, I didn't take anything. And so, yeah, she allowed me to to stay out and advocate. And that's how we launched Love Beyond Walls underneath that bridge um, on a cell phone, uh, bringing attention to uh, people experiencing homelessness. And, you know, I was put out of shelters and ate out of trash cans and uh, stood on the corner with my friend to beg for money because of his need of medication and have, have people like pass by us and uh, call us names and all types of stuff. And it just really uh, wrecked me in, in so many ways and gave me a greater empathy and compassion towards uh, this issue that our family is committed to, but also our organization is um, is is fighting against. Basically, it's narrative justice, right? It's combating the false narratives that pers- persist about uh, people experiencing homelessness. Everybody that arrives in this plight is not the same. And how dare we uh, put people in buckets? Absolutely. Wow. What a journey. Well, I'm sure that gave you, you know, obviously firsthand account and the ammunition to go forth, if you will, with Love Beyond Walls. So congratulations. I wanted to just really talk about um, what you guys offer now, because you've got you do a lot. <laughs> I mean, you offer um, education workshops, rooming stations, counselling centres, medical centres, food pantry, housing. I mean, your latest initiative, obviously the wash basins, um, you know, mobile makeovers, which I thought was brilliant. Um, can you tell us a little bit kind of, I mean, maybe you can tell us what areas you do you do the most in and what areas you're developing more of. But I just think you guys really offer essential services, but I'd love to know kind of how it works a bit more, if you could elaborate on that. Yeah, uh, that's another great question. Um, so Love Beyond Walls was designed in the way uh, to reach the total person, right? Um, all of the programming that you just named, uh, I see them as vehicles to uh, bring us into close proximity with the people that we care about, right? Um, I think it, it was a quote uh, somebody said that, uh, you know, to to a person uh, who is hungry, uh, their their God is bread, right? It's, it's this idea that um, we are, you know, committed to meeting the needs of the people, but also uh, we are deeply committed to building authentic relationships with them. You know, one of the things that people don't really understand about uh, homelessness is that you're in constant social isolation, right? You think about being out there and you can't cut your hair, but you want to apply for a job or being out on the streets and uh, you haven't washed your clothes, right? And you need to wash your clothes. So like we created a center and we saw that some of our friends that we were in relationship with needed to wash their clothes. So we got washing machines, right? It's one thing to continue to deepen and build the relationships uh, with the individuals that we care about because it's the relationships that we forge uh, that helps us to to transfer information uh, to uh, help us to pull our resources together to push somebody or uh, even walk alongside somebody towards self-sufficiency. 
So like um, if 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 people uh, needed to get on the computer to do their homework and they're, uh, you know, living on the streets and they're doing the best that they can, we're going to create a way for our center to offer technology or the Internet. So all of those programs that you really named um, have been designed just to bring us into close proximity with the people that come to our organization. So uh, we focus more on the, the personal relationships that we develop versus the program. Because the program, the program can shift and change and morph based upon the needs that are in front of us, right? If we're offering something um, and the relationship that we have with the person is, uh, you know, not in the toolbox of what we offer, right? The the need is not in the toolbox, then uh, we create that tool uh, to help us deepen that relationship. And we, we've seen so many different things happen from that, right? Because, um, you know, our target audience is, uh, we have two. We have people whom we care about that is experiencing homelessness and poverty, but then we also have this other uh, target audience of volunteers, right? You know, volunteers, we have to provide those educational workshops, you know, how best to, uh, you know, uh, approach someone, how to, how to talk to people, how to, uh, be empathetic towards someone's situation, how to affirm dignity, uh, you know, how to come back against uh, using privilege and uh, misinformation or uh, ignorance to kind of hurt and harm people. So we, we have to, uh, while we're doing the work out there in the trenches, we also have to ensure that we're educating people. But the education piece is uh, really huge for us. Uh, one of the latest projects that we've launched is called Dignity Museum where we have taken, taken uh, with permission, uh, the voices of people who have either gone through homelessness or have overcome homelessness, and we've created an immersive experience for people who uh, want to learn more. Uh, they come to this museum and they immerse themselves in what it means to experience this plight, and they, they come out a more empathetic person. I mean, uh, one of the stations that I, I enjoy so much, um, and we've had politicians and s schools come and organizations, but we have the station, it's called What Would You Write? And so we pass out these cardboard uh, signs, uh, blank pieces of cardboard, and we give people three scenarios and we ask them to write their response on this cardboard. Like we, we ask or give them a prompt like, if you were standing on the corner and you needed somewhere to stay, but you had to beg for $10, what would you write on the sign? You know, if you needed to beg for money to wash your clothes because you needed to, uh, you know, go to an interview, what would you write on your sign? Or if you're a mom and you're on the corner and you have two children, how, what would you, uh, use on your sign or what would you write on your sign, uh, to raise money for your children because they have to eat? And when people go through this process of um, having to create their own sign, it puts them in the reality of it's it's not easy to ask people for for help. I mean, we've had people break down. We've had people challenge their own, um, you know, biases and, and stereotypes uh, towards individuals uh, who are experiencing homelessness. I mean, we had students from a school one time, uh, you know, kind of break down and they had to, uh, 
talk to their educators because they were taught from their since childbirth that poor to fear p- poor people, right? And so there, there's, uh, you know, there's this kind of like two double-edged sword, so to speak. We're serving the community, but we're also having to educate and make sure that we're continuing to uh, build empathy towards uh, the general public so they can care about a population of people that have been invisible. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. I wanted to touch on briefly, well, commend you firstly, uh, for your 2016 documentary, uh, Voiceless, a documentary on systematic poverty. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, look it up online, check it out. Um, I watched it. I've got to say, what an amazing story. It was obviously um, your MAP 16 experience when you uh, walked more than 600 miles from Atlanta to Washington. But just some points, Terence, stuck out to me, um, you know, uh, some takeaways, if you will. The irony that, you know, America is the land of opportunity, yet poverty is so high. Um, certainly that hasn't changed. If not, it's gotten worse, I would say, since since 2016. Um, living in poverty, you know, with a livable wage is something that really struck me. You know, um, that people are working, uh, you know, the stigma of homelessness is that sometimes one will think, oh, they mustn't work or, you know, there are people that are actually living working and they still can't afford housing so you know uh, key takeaways from your um, documentary where poverty is, is a cycle um, and I love that you brought out that uh, the poverty of spirit as well and I, I think that harps upon what you spoke about about the relationship you guys want to create with people um, you know I'm, I, I'm no advocate I don't I'm no uh, you know expert in homelessness um, I've obviously only seen it from the outside. Uh, you know firsthand from actually being homeless and experiencing your day-to-day interactions with the homeless. You know, some facts and figures, you know, and I'm sure you have a ton of them yourself, but just for our listeners, you know, on one single night in January 2019, there can be more than 500,000 people homeless, I mean, in America. So that's, that, in reality, is, you know, eight NFL stadiums. I don't need to tell you this, Terence, but definitely the people that are listening to this need to understand this is real. This is a pandemic, if you will, if you want to call it that. Um, and I just think that your documentary is brilliant, and I really do encourage people to go out and watch it. If they wanted to, Terence, where could they find it? Where's the best place to look for it online? They can actually watch it for free right now on our website. They can just simply go to lovebeyondwalls.org and click the tab, Get Educated. Uh, once they click that tab, they can uh, watch the documentary there on the page. And there is also a workbook um, that they can download as well from that same page. Right, great. Well, I recommend if you're listening to this, it's um, about an hour or so long, but it's well worth it. Um, now, I wanted to um, speak to, just quickly bring it back to coronavirus. Obviously, you know, we're all enduring this and the homeless are enduring it tenfold. What are your thoughts? You are obviously speaking daily with uh, the homeless community. Do they understand the extent of it? Do they, you know, because we're, we have the luxury of turning on the radio watching the TV, whether it's a luxury, we're kind of inundated with messages. Are they getting the message? Do they understand what's happening? Um, What's your thoughts on that? Right. 
Yeah. And so what what is ironic is that uh, people experiencing homelessness is more prone to contract the virus. Uh, that's what the statistics are saying. But yet uh, is the most, um, I guess, we haven't educated uh, people experiencing homelessness about how severe this is, right? Because even uh, while we were like installing the stations, we had to literally walk around and tell people, uh, this is why, this is what they're saying about washing your hands. Uh, these are the effects of the coronavirus. This is how it can harm you. And once we uh, passed along that information, uh, people started lining up and kind of literally taking it uh, seriously and washing their hands. And so um, I think not only do we need to do a merger, emergency sheltering uh, like as soon as possible, uh, but we also need to make hand washing and sanitation stations uh, available. And we need to like legislate that and make it permanent in every city that has a population of people experiencing homelessness. Uh, access to the basic basic human right of soap and water is uh, critical in this moment for people who are living on the streets. And also, uh, I would add a third thing. Uh, we need to educate, educate, educate like um, like no other. Um, we need to figure out a way that we could disseminate the information uh, to people who don't have access to a television or you know, to listen to a podcast or a radio station or even have a cell phone to even understand how this virus will affect them. Yes, it's, it's vital. Um, so, you know, I, again, I don't need to tell you, but for our listeners, you know, some people are one, if not two paychecks away from poverty. That's just the reality. So what happens when people lose their jobs now? How can we predict this? Um, you know, there's talk of suspending mortgages, uh, you know, but rent still needs to be paid. Yes, evictions will be halted, but we'll... Will we see an influx of homelessness in two to three months? What What's your thought on that? Uh, I, I think I think expon exponentially. Um, we were already on a rise in our country uh, with people experiencing homelessness based upon, uh, you know, uh, minimum wages versus uh, uh, the inflation, uh, the cost of rent, and the cost of uh, you know, to uh, stay in areas. I think I read one statistic that said that uh, there's nowhere in a, in no county in America where you can afford a uh, a one bedroom apartment making the federal minimum wage, right? And you think about that. There are so many uh, workers out there in the workforce that are working hourly jobs that will be affected, and in many ways, this will cause a higher increase um, in, in in the homeless population here in the United States of America. Yeah. And I'm afraid, I'm just afraid that if we don't really hunker down and take this moment to reassess how we've treated um, people who are impoverished in our country, uh, we're going to do some real damage. Not only is this virus going to do uh, damage as it has, but we're going to do damage to people who are 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 are, are worthy of our love, respect, and uh, community. Yeah, it's a, it's a real thing. Um, so you know, as at Parlay Me, we profile startups, entrepreneurs, um, 
you know, you name it, investors, a lot of these come out of, uh, you know, Silicon Valley, you know, San Francisco, and, you know, it's a pillar for the economic boom, but in reality it has, you know, 8,000 or more homeless people living among, you know, the gleaming towers of, you know, what's known as the rich city. Um, obviously now, you know, San Francisco's inability to house these homeless, uh, they, they pay, well, let's not say inability, but <laughs> um, they have been, you know, um, have been willing to house them um, up till now, it poses a real threat for communities. You know, what is interesting um, that is happening, um, obviously places like California, where Gavin Newsom, uh, the governor of California, has come out and said that they could see more than 60,000 or it's estimated 108,000 homeless people infected during the next two months, you know, and the hospitals will struggle to keep up. So the state, as my understanding, look, it changes daily, obviously, um, has rented two hotels uh, near Oakland's airport to quarantine homeless people who may have the virus and purchased more than 1,300 trailers and is negotiating you know, hotel rooms that are just empty to service quarantine spaces. Um, it's put together, I believe, a $50 million plan. What do you think? Do you think this pandemic, uh, Terence, could be a reset button for, for society? Do you think, you know, to considering they can suddenly inject this much... Um, funding and, um, I guess, campaigning into, you know, helping the homeless. What do you have to say about that in regards to do you think it will actually be a good thing that we can finally, you know, house some homeless people and give them the incentive to get off the streets? What's your positioning on that? Yeah, I think it's all good to – I was asked a similar question on a panel uh, earlier this week. And the question is, what is this moment teaching us? And obviously, um, my response was that we need to focus on health and make health a priority, but not just physical health, health in our relationships, health in our communities, health in, you know, uh, for the first time, parents are having having to homeschool, health in our parent-child relationships, health, uh, healthiness in our relationships with our spouses or partners, if you have. Uh, one health healthiness with ourselves, right? Uh, emotional health, uh, spiritual health, uh, but also uh, healthiness in the way that we see people is really huge. The way that we come alongside people, healthiness in our idea of uh, togetherness, right? And so, I think um, it is going to provide a reset button, and it it will uh, make us reflect on what should be prioritized, right? Uh, how how we should uh, move going forward, and I'm hoping that this this uh, newfound uh, care and concern for the vulnerable sustains. Like we don't revert back to uh, the traditional way of going about business. Well, we can only hope that this uh, really real lesson in isolation for all of us brings us somehow together as a as a global community and. Yeah, look at each other as people rather than statistics. Um, Just quickly to wrap it up, um, most importantly, how can people listening to this uh, podcast get involved or contribute? You mentioned you have volunteers. Do you need more volunteers? Can people donate? Um, What's your call to action so people can help you guys out um, in Atlanta and, 
you know, and if there are obviously initiatives to extend your current, um, what did you call it, love for sinks or what's the, sorry, uh, what was uh, love, love, love sinks, sinks in. in. Yeah, yeah, how can people get involved? Yeah, yeah so... Uh, yeah, we want to continue to install as many stations as possible over the next uh, two to three months. Uh, the reality is that although some sheltering will be provided, uh, there will be people that continue to just live on the actual streets uh, during the duration of the pandemic. And so uh, we want to continue to uh, on focus, uh, just focus on collaborating with like stakeholders and governors and mayors and uh, we want to challenge mayors and cities to help address an invisible population. Uh, what we're doing right now is giving uh, people experiencing homelessness access to soap and water, which is a basic human right. And we have a vision to uh, kind of expand this to 10 cities in the next 45 days. Um, uh, people can partner with us. They can simply look our organization up at lovebeyondwalls.org and we can only continue to per to purchase and install as many portable sinks as our resources are allow um and so we're asking people to go there and uh can consider making a, a one-time donation i hope anyone listening to this feels inspired to do so and i really thank you for your time terence and your efforts um you know there is one thing to advocate um homelessness there's another thing to actually get in there and get your hands dirty, so to speak, and make a difference um, on the ground level, which you guys are actually doing. So thank you. Um, and, yeah, look, guys, check out Love Beyond Walls. Um, follow Terence and, and his wife's journey as they build um, this amazing organisation. It's super important in days like today and for the future. So I thank you for your time, Terence. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers.